my god, that sucks. <laughs> I love it. When you do your your YouTube stuff, is is are you recording everything and then you got a guy to like clip it all together? How do you how do you do that? So currently the way we have it set up is that he actually does like he records records, then he edits, he posts nice. it, has it all hooked up. So I don't do anything except for just say the stuff. You just got the brain, baby. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. That's how we have it set up right now, and uh, I think that's how how we'll hopefully continue to have it set up. So, done a lot of different shorts on a lot of different things. Obviously, a lot of stuff related to Aptus specifically, and then yeah. started to branch out to do more things to just help my audience get to know me a little bit better. Because eventually, hopefully, you know, it's a big audience that yeah, you know, they see one short about me, but they don't know anything about me yet. And get to know me through there. The content's really good. I remember. A few months back, because did you really start diving heavy into it? Like after this sales season, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I'd never done any content at all before this off season. Nice, yeah, nice. It's good. I remember seeing clips on Instagram, and, I'm, and it looks professional. Like it looks, it looks really good. Where do you record that? Mostly just at the after the active office in Provo. Okay, in yeah. like your office, or is there like a room? Uh, they have a podcast. So they had a podcast room that uh they ended up making so we couldn't use it anymore just um you know legal reasons and all that good stuff okay then they set up two other rooms that we can use because they don't have any active branding in the room and so those ones like because they still want guys they still want to encourage guys to make content about active they just don't want to have to screen all the content if it says active in the background that makes sense yeah um, but yeah, well, yeah, active social media team hit me up the other day and they're like, Hey, we actually can't collab on this post because like you say that active is worth about $1.5 billion and we have no way of like substantiating that. And like, I was like, okay, all the red tape, all the red tape, all the man. bureaucracy, you know, you got to deal with it a little bit. You can get around a lot of it. That's one of the cool things about being a, like, you know, divisional regional managers, you can kind of run your own show for the most part. And you just have to put up with that sort of thing a little bit here and there. Yeah. So, um, Brent, welcome. Tell the, tell the people a little bit about yourself. Um, back to where you, where are you from? I like everyone to get a clear view of, of who they're, who they're listening to, you know, not just like, what's your career been like, you know, what is like the work, what's the active stuff. Mm-hmm. I like to know like who, who Brent is. Right. So tell us about where you, where you came from yeah. and what kind of made you, you, I guess, growing up. Sure. So my dad was in the military. He was in the army. Um, joined up when I was about to turn two, uh, just to provide for the family. Okay. I don't think he ever really wanted to necessarily be in the military. Uh, but it provided good living for us. So he was in for 20 years. So I grew up moving all over the place. I went to seven different elementary schools and then wow. two different middle schools and two different high schools. Okay. And uh, yeah, so that was a big part of my childhood, moving around a lot, learned how to make friends pretty quickly uh, going through that. And then in high school, definitely not your traditional sales bro. I didn't do sports in high school. I didn't go to the gym a lot. I wasn't yoked. 
We talked about it. Your high school is big. Yeah, big high yeah. school. So, um, I mean, not not gigantic. If you're from Texas, like it's not doesn't compare to that. But um, yeah, my high school in Ohio, where I was freshman sophomore year, had like 2,800 students. Yeah, pretty which big. Is pretty good size. About the and, same size as mine. Mm-hmm. And then where I went to junior senior year was smaller. It was like 1,700. Okay. So still decent size, not gigantic though. And where was that? So if you started out in Ohio, where was that? Nebraska. Okay. Yep. So I did not do sports in high school. I was a band geek. Nice. So I did all the band stuff, like every single band thing you could do, I did. Your main main instrument was saxophone? Yep. So saxophone was my main one, but like going into my senior year, um, I actually decided that I wanted to do music education for my major in college. Okay. And so my senior year, I like full dove into... Um, I started learning a bunch of other instruments just for fun, uh, for a bunch of different ensembles. I was the drum major for our marching band and for the freshman marching band because we had a separate freshman marching band. And then I also was a student aide for an extra band period during the day. Wow. So I've done a lot of band. Three periods full, of band every day plus all band. the- Yeah, plus all the extracurricular stuff. And I was in show choir that year. So it was a pretty, uh, very, very heavy on band, but still yeah. did all my academic stuff too. You play instruments still? Not really. Um, I was pretty proficient in in piano. Okay. All growing up and playing since I was eight. Uh, but my wife is a much better piano player than me, so nice. I don't play as much anymore because I'm somewhat self conscious about it when I'm around her. Um, you guys have a piano? Yeah, it's not super nice, um, but we do have one. The nice. goal is to have a grand piano in the near ish future. Those things yeah. are expensive though; they go for like thirty to eighty grand, depending on what brand you got. 30? Mm-hmm. I didn't know they were that expensive. Yeah, like a full-on grand piano, because they have a baby grand, and then they have a grand piano. And a full-on grand piano is gigantic and also crazy expensive. Okay. Steinway & Sons, which is like one of the premier brands, you're looking at like 80 Gs, I think. It's like a car. Yeah, like a nice one. Nice car. <laughs> so one of these days, that's the dream, getting a really nice piano for my wife, because she loves to play. There you go. Well... You definitely uh definitely on the way. Yes, sir. Um so yeah, band in high school and then doing that in preparation for music education and school. Is that what you ended up pursuing? Is that what you ended up doing? Yeah, so like um all through high school I thought I was just gonna do some sort of engineering. I was that weirdo that like AP chemistry was my favorite class in high school. Okay. Um, and so I was going to be a chemical engineer. I was pretty good at calculus and chemistry. And then halfway, eh, about a third of the way through my senior year, I was like, you know what? I think I actually want to do band, uh, like for a career and be a band director. Just cause like, um, while I was going to high school, I feel like band like really shaped a lot of who I was yeah. and like the culture around marching band. It like was my friend group and, you know, just shaped a lot of my activities, um, made a big difference for me. So I wanted to kind of perpetuate that. Uh, going forward. So, um, yeah, I majored in music education originally. I uh, went to University of Kentucky, went to BYU for a couple of years as well. Uh, but then I started making good money doing sales, realized that I didn't want to take the vow of poverty is what they what they call it when you go into education. Um, or music. Yeah, or music. There you go. So <laughs> double whammy, right? Uh, to use a music term. So, um, yeah, I switched to business my last year of college okay 
because I thought that was more in line with what I was doing with Aptiv and with sales. Okay. But then I ended up just not finishing school altogether. Uh, COVID happened. And like when they tried to transfer all my classes to being online in spring of 2020, I was like, yeah, I'm just going to be done. Okay. I've been kind of going back and forth on that for like a year and a half already. And I felt like that was like my sign to. That was a straw. Yeah, that was like the final straw. I was like, man, I, you know, because I'd mostly just be sitting in class working on active stuff the whole time anyway. Right. That's interesting. I, I I wasn't as heavily involved in Aptive while I was in school. My first year was my junior year summer at school. So I wasn't like heavy recruiting or anything after my yeah. first year. I was kind of just like getting into it. I was like an advocate, but I wasn't like working on the computer on anything yet. So that's interesting. So you back that up. So after high school is when you sold for the first time, right? Yep. So okay. I was 17. I had just graduated high school. Okay. And uh, yeah, this is back in the pre-tablets, pre-video calls day. It was 2012. I think Skype was around. Who got you into sales? So my uncle, who lived in Texas at the time, this is when I was living in Nebraska. Okay. He reached out to me uh, through my parents and was like, hey, um, there's a guy in my church congregation who owns a small pest control company. He's looking for door-to-door salespeople for the summer. And I had a full ride scholarship to Kentucky starting in the fall. And so I had kind of like that gap between senior year and college. And I never worked a job while I was in school because I was so busy with band and academics. Mm -hmm. But that summer after I graduated, I didn't have anything going on. So I never worked a job, but I was like, well, shoot, like, you know, you see that number at the bottom right hand corner of the pay scale where it says like 200 grand plus and you get googly eyed. And I remember looking at that and being like, yeah, man, I'm going to go make like 200 G's. I made four G's that summer. Four G's. Four G's. Yes, sir. Which, you know, isn't bad. Like, yeah. In terms of what other, like, you know, typical. I had a little bit more than two months to sell that summer just because I graduated high school, like on, uh, man, when did I graduate? I feel like it was in June, but it was probably in May. I bet it was like May 13th or something. But I had marching band camp for college that started in like mm-hmm. early August. And we had a big family vacation in the middle of the summer. Wow. And all that jazz. So, you know, no excuses. I sold good for that company. It was I worked for a company called Splat. They're no longer around. Um and it was like yeah, a really ne- fun experience. Never ex- heard of them. Yeah, they're not around. And it was <laughs> it was a really fun experience and I learned a ton and I learned a lot of sales skills and I learned how to live on my own. Um, and I was one of the best reps on the team. It just wasn't the right company. Yeah. I hitched my horse to the wrong wagon or whatever they say, yeah. or hitched my wagon to the wrong horse. I don't know which way. So it's, only, it's the only wagon you knew. It was exactly. Um, yeah. So I, I loved it. I made some really good friends that summer. Um, yeah, it was a good time. So that's your, did you turn 18? Or are you still 17? I turned 18 during my first semester of college. Okay. So you're still 17. You go out there, you make four grand, short summer. You're good for splat, right? Yes, sir. You go out there, you have a good experience. Yeah. I know you started off kind of slow too, and then you mm-hmm. kind of ramped it up and you got more consistent from from what we've talked about. Yeah. Um. After splat, what are you doing? So after splat, you go to Kentucky. I went to University of Kentucky, Um. full throttle on band again. Um, I was taking like 21 credits that semester, wow, which lot. was crazy. I, 
yeah, it was nuts. And I was in like nine different ensembles. Um, so like different bands and choirs and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, so at the time, the church that I'm a part of, we would do two year mission trips yeah. from, uh, age at the time it was 19 to 21. And okay. remember at this point, I wasn't even 18 yet. So it was like still in the future. And then during my first semester of college, they changed the age to where you could go when you were 18 on your mission trip. So then I had to make a decision on like, okay, am I going to keep going to college? Like my original plan was, or am I just going to go on my mission trip right now for two years, right? So two years, I'm away from everybody, um, away from school, away from career, all that. And, um, you know, it definitely wasn't a decision I took lightly, but uh, within, you know, a week or two, I was like, you know what, I think I'm just going to go on my mission trip. So I only did one semester of college at that time. Went on my mission trip to Brazil, um, learned Portuguese, served the Lord for two years, came back, and uh, was not going to do sales again. But my by the way, quick quick side note because I know a lot of the circles you hang out in, right? Yeah. That's a pretty standard thing. Yeah, the mission, right? Um, us East Coast guys, yeah, it's not. Yep, it's not a standard thing. Um, and I think it's something that honestly you guys take for granted, like not that you take for granted. I know it's a life-changing thing and you know, I've never done something like that, but, um, I think you almost take for granted as to, to like how, how we might see that and how like we see that as like a huge, I mean, it's a huge sacrifice. Yeah. And I think something that honestly separates yourselves in a way, um, in terms of your, your discipline and how you probably grow as a man during that stretch. So yeah, I have nothing but respect for that tradition. It's nothing that I've ever done. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian, but I haven't like dedicated two years of my life to go like serve, you know, my God and try to spread the religion, which I, again, nothing but respect for that. So I guess, um, maybe expound a little bit about how that grew you as a person. Cause I think that's, that's something that you can't just skip over. The mission trip, um, and we just call it the mission in, in our church, right? Yeah. You go on your mission and, um, it's interesting too. Like we actually even pay to go. Right. And we pay like 600, uh, at the time, I think it was $600 a month for two years. So guys will like in our church, like they'll save up money, like all through high school. Um, I mean, usually their families will like chip in money. I mean, to, for them to even be able to go and do the mission. Cause it's, you know, like 12 grand, which when you're 15 sounds like a lot of, I mean, that's kind of a lot of money anyway. So, um, yeah, you know, you go out there and, um, you're not getting paid to do it. And, uh, it's a pretty rigorous routine every day. Uh, we talked about that, you know, recently, but, um, pretty much it's a, a dedicated regimented schedule, seven days a week, 6 30 AM until 10 30 PM every day. Like you wake up and, and, um, part of the, you know, mandatory schedule and, you know, just like anything that's like mandatory. I mean, we run into it with sales. Like we have things that are mandatory that not all reps follow like they should, but what the mandatory schedule was, was yeah, 6.30 AM, you wake up, you exercise for 30 minutes, get ready for an hour, eat breakfast, all that jazz, do an hour of personal scripture study, an hour of scripture study with, um, we call it your companion. It's like the, like the partner you're with on partner your mission trip. Partner in crime out there. Yeah. If you ever ran into like LDS or Mormon missionaries, they always like are in twos with the white shirts and the ties and the black like name tags on bikes usually. At least that's how people see them in the US a lot. <laughs> And uh, so an hour of study with your companion, an hour of language study if you're out of country, which I was, I was in Brazil. So I'd study Portuguese for an hour. So, I mean, you know, compare that to what most 18 year olds are doing. I spent three hours, seven days a week, I would spend three hours studying 
Um, first thing in the morning. Yeah, first thing in the morning, like exercise, breakfast, right. three hours of study, boom, go. Right. And then from there, we'd go out and we essentially proselyte, um, cold contacting people about God for like nine hours a day, you know, from uh, like 11 until like eight or nine and then get home and um, we would have to do, I don't remember what we would call, uh, oh, it was da- we would do daily planning at the end of every day. So like, once again, we're talking 18, 19 year old kids, basically daily planning every day for the next day, making goals. We track um, KPIs, key performance indicators um, for like the number of people we cold contacted that day, how many uh, like lessons we taught um, to people, how many new, uh, we call them investigators, but like how many new people we started teaching about God that were like interested in learning more. So we track all that stuff. We would make daily goals. Um, we would do weekly planning every week. Um, even on our off day, we call it preparation day or P day. Um, even on that day, you still wake up at 630, you exercise, you do breakfast, you do two and a half hours of study. Mm. So you only do 30 minutes of language study instead of an hour. Um, Look at you. It, yeah. And then you'd get like six hours off to do whatever you wanted to. And then in the evening, you were back at it. Um, think of it as like your Saturdays for sales, right? You get like the half day. Um, or at least historically, we would do that. Anyway, so pretty regimented and you get used to, you know, you're cold contacting people about God like all day long. Um, and so, yeah, we would co- a lot of missionaries, they'll come home and they're pretty used to running a pretty intense schedule and getting rejected all day. And so that's why doing door-to-door sales is a pretty natural like next thing that a lot of guys do just because they're used to the two hardest parts of what we do for sales, which is like just the rigor of the job. I call it the grind of the job. Like that's what a lot of guys struggle with, with sales. And then the rejection of the job, which is the other hardest part of it. Selling pest control is easy, but can you do it, you know, nine hours a day, six days a week for 18 weeks? That's hard. Right. Right. Getting rejected once, that's easy. Getting rejected 60 times in a day, that's a little harder. Getting rejected, I mean, even if you're selling well, getting rejected 250 times in a week, that's hard, right? For 18 weeks. Yeah, for 18 weeks, right? So that, that's the hard part of the job. It's the it's the consistency of the difficulty. It's not just like the difficulty on a one-off day. But yeah, as a missionary, we learned how to deal with that for two years, like nonstop. There's no breaks. It's not like a summer schedule where it's like, yeah, we go out and we work really hard serving the Lord for four months. And then we take eight months to just party in Brazil. It wasn't that it was like two months, two years. It's going along. Yeah. But I mean, this is the interesting part because I don't share the exact same beliefs. I'm not, you know, in the LDS community, but, um, being kind of like an outsider to that, I think it's always interesting to kind of observe what like religious practices can do for people like outside of the context of of i guess deepening your relationship with your god um that's just a good practice because it it just makes you a better person right like there's there's nobody or very few people that would go do that and come back less disciplined yeah or we're not getting paid to do it either like i said so like you are out there to serve people right like that, that is the goal. It is to help people to and help serve people. people. Like you're, you're definitely not getting financially compensated for it. 
Yeah. And like, and you know, I guess devil's advocate, I've heard people be like, well, why do you have to go like spread your religion and force that on? It's it's not forcing it. It's, it's just helping people. It's, it's showing people like a literally one of the things we talk about is we invite people to come unto Christ. Yeah. Invite. And if they don't want to, that's totally cool. Yeah. Just like on the doors, you move on to the next person, right? Like not everybody is ready for pest control when you knock on yeah. their door. And, you know, we believe that not every moment is right for every person to come unto Christ, you know? Okay. That's cool, man. It's a cool perspective. Thank you for sharing. Cause again, yeah. I think it's like, you guys know all that, but us on the East coast, we don't, we don't know a ton about that. So it's really cool for me to even just learn more about it whenever you guys talk about it, honestly. So demystify it a little bit. Cause I know, you know, a lot of the guys that are adaptive are in Utah yeah. come from that belief system. So, um, it's good to kind of understand it a little bit more for sure. Well, I appreciate it. I, I appreciate the influence. It's one of the reasons I like this company. It's one of the reasons I like the kind of one of the driving forces of motivation and leadership of the company, I think does come from that and does come from faith, which some people might shy away from, but I like that. I, yeah. you know, I think it makes our company better. I think you guys like yourself and, and our leaders out in Utah, I feel like they just you guys have more discipline and character because of what you did there. And I, I just think it helps everybody. So yeah, yeah, appreciate that. So anyways, after your mission, you're coming back. Did you know, like, yeah, I'm going right back to sales. No, I was not planning on it. So like I made that one of the things that was tough with me for my, for my first summer, the one when I was 17 working for splat is that I, as the summer went along, I started running into a lot of customers like previous customers that were really unhappy with the service. Mm. Um, and in addition to that, I also um, just like saw just how disorganized the company was just overall. Mm. I mean, our anyone who's worked adaptive, I mean, you'd laugh at some of the stuff that we would do. Like we, we would literally just, we'd start driving to our assigned area every day. And if we saw a neighborhood we liked, we would just pull over and knock it. We'd knock it, like, we'd just knock for, like, you know, 30 minutes, get a feel. If we liked it, we'd stay the rest of the day. We didn't keep track of what houses we knocked. We were supposed to, but we didn't. So we'd single knock everything one time. Um, or sometimes we'd be there for, like, 30 minutes and be like, nah, 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 nah. But we wouldn't tell anyone that we knocked it for 30 minutes. We would just knock it for 30 minutes and then mm-hmm. just keep going to the next neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was chaos. We would have... Um, you know, we would double and triple book on top of each other all the time because there wasn't an app that like kept track of that for us. So we'd have mm-hmm. to text in the group text every time we got a sale and what time slot we got so that on our paper calendar, we could mark off a time slot that wasn't available anymore. But we had one rep that was notorious for like, he wouldn't text in the group chat. He was our second best rep. He would never text in the group chat. And then, uh, I mean, we'd have our service technician driving an hour and a half in between stops, like literally opposite sides of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where we were. Yeah. So it was crazy. So our, my customer retention was like sub 50%. It was terrible. Um, and this was way back in the day before big contract values. I think I averaged like a 500 that year. So anyway, I didn't make a ton of money. I didn't have a great experience with the actual company itself, which was probably the main thing. So I wasn't going to do it again. Um, but as I was coming back from my mission, um, it was November of 2015. And my parents had set up a job for me just to pass the time until college started in January. Yeah. I'm um, doing Christmas lights with okay. one of the guys from our church congregation in Nebraska. Well, it turns out his day job was he was a branch manager for Moxie. So he found out I'd sold before and was like, dude, you should come sell for me. And I was like, no, 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 no. 
nah, nah, not again, not again. Well, I was like, you know, I was like, it was fine, but I don't want to do it again. He's like, well, just come check it out. Like, just come to the office, talk, you know, let's talk. I'll show you some numbers. And I was like, okay, fine. Yeah. So I went in, liked what I saw that it felt like they were structured a lot better yeah. as far as addressing all those concerns. So I was like, okay, whatever, I'm going to do it again. So I went out, I actually had a great experience. I lived at home that summer, which was a little unusual. I met my wife that summer. Um, you were 20? 21. 21. Yeah, I was 21. Um, and yeah, I met my wife that summer. So that was crazy. Like I'd knock until like 9 PM every day. And then, um, she lived like a 30 minute drive from where I lived. And, as far as an hour away sometimes from where we were knocking. Cause I was knocking in Omaha, Nebraska that year. And uh, I drive all the way to her house at the end of the work day. Um, we'd hang out for like, you know, two to four hours or whatever. It'd be like 1am and I'd be driving home so I could wake up like six hours later to drive to the meeting. So it was brutal, man. I was burning the candle on both ends. Um, but it was fun. I loved that summer. Um, I had a good experience working for Moxie. I sold really well. I was the top rep on my team again that year. Beat my two team leaders, which was cool. That's awesome. Broke like the company record for like the most sales in a week, uh, which at that company, I think was like 32 or something. That's huge though. Yeah. So I did that and I, I was really happy. I re-signed to go back out with them. Um, and then it was that fall that I met uh, Josh Goodrich from Aptive and started my process of recruiting with Aptive. Nice. So, so that's going into what 20. Yeah. So that was fall of 2016 okay. is when I first started meeting with Aptive. Right around October. when Aptive started. Yep. So Aptive had just finished its first, I think Aptive had just finished its first summer first as summer. Aptive. Yeah. Yeah. From the Altera. Mm-hmm. So you meet with this guy, Josh, just what mutual friend, social no, media. Or... Uh, he was cold contacting on campus. Okay. So yeah, that that works if you haven't done it before and you're in the recruiting game. Like, I'm here because of it. And there's you're a lot of the different company. Yeah, there's a lot and of you guys. Had a good experience with them. Yeah, there's a lot of guys that adapted that came from cold contacting of some sort. Um, you know, a lot we do a lot of social media recruiting, uh, which aus- is is awesome. Warm network recruiting, which is extra awesome. But yeah, there's still there's still a place for the get out and grind in the cold contacting game in you person. Just tap your shoulder. Or do you have a table or what? Yeah, so he had a table. I had an Aptive banner on it, and I didn't know what Aptive was or didn't know what it was at the time, and he was giving out free cookies. So, I mean, what college kid doesn't like a free cookie? So I was, out, I was at BYU at that point, which is uh, Brigham Young University in Utah. Mm-hmm. So I transferred. I'd had my parents transfer me from Kentucky to there while I was on my mission. And, um, yeah, he just stopped me and gave me a free cookie, said he worked for Aptive, did door-to-door sales. I was like, oh, no way. I worked for Moxie this summer. And... um he found out how well I'd done and he was pushing me hard to come in for a meeting and I kind of blew him off for weeks, but I gave him my number, classic mistake. And uh, he was good about following up. He finally got me in. I, I met with Connor Ruggio a bunch of times. I bet I bet I met with him like five or six times over like the next two weeks. Um, and yeah, eventually made the plunge. Just primarily, I really liked that Aptiv had a lot more resources, um, which was going to help me kind of go up to the next level. Like, that year at Optive, uh, the year that I was number one at Moxie, I would have been number like 78 at Optive mm. that year. So just just a totally different level. And you know, I was excited to step up and, and get better. But primarily it was the fact that like I saw what I'd had training-wise at my other two companies and what I was going to be able to have 
training-wise adaptive or what my rookies were going to be able to have adaptive. And I felt a lot more comfortable bringing friends and doing recruiting for Aptive. And at this point, I'd already been kind of recruiting for Moxie for a couple of weeks or a couple of months since I'd gotten home and just had a hard time having success. We didn't have an office to take people to. Um, you know, we were bootstrapping it, meeting at restaurants. Uh, my my manager, who is my recruiting manager, who wasn't in my upline, he was just like, I, I don't even remember what his title was it at that branch of Moxie. But anyway, like it was very clear. He didn't really know what he was doing. Um, super good guy. He just didn't really know what he was doing. So I was having a hard time getting recruiting results. I go into Aptive, you know, huge office in Provo, like super fancy basketball court. Basketball court. Yeah. The basketball the court was, court. Yeah, yeah. The jazz suite. I mean, like they took me out to eat like every day. They both had really nice cars, like Connor and Josh, which definitely I noticed. Um, that, you know, they weren't driving Lambos or anything like Lambos are dope. They didn't drive Lambos, but it was nice, nicer than what I was driving and, um, just classy dudes. And, um, uh, yeah, I decided to switch cause I wanted to level up myself, wanted to put my rookies in a better spot. And then I was going to get compensated a lot better for recruiting, which I was excited about. And so made the switch and honestly never looked back. I pretty much was putting in as much time as I could put in on Aptiv basically from the jump like that semester i think i was taking 17 credits so i was a little bit limited on how much time i was able to put in but anytime i wasn't at school i was pretty much at the office yeah just grinding away grinding so that was during so you made the switch from october of 2016 october of 2016 over to aptive now you're recruiting for Aptive. Mm-hmm. You're a you just finished your sophomore year yep in college uh yeah Okay, pretty much. Yep. Um, yeah, because you left mid-year for the Yeah, mission, I left mid-year, right? came back mid-year. Okay. So. Pretty much your second year. Actually, yeah, I was in my second year of college. I was on my third semester. Okay. So, how did your first year at Aptive go? Dude, first year at Aptive was awesome. So, I went from having done 273 accounts, we didn't track revenue back then, uh, to 400 accounts. Who'd you sell with? I sold with Moxie. So, but I'm saying oh, with Aptive, your first with Aptive, year. Aptive, um, I sold on Josh Goodrich's team okay. um, in Austin, Texas. Nice. Yep. Austin South. OG. Yes, sir. And you're back there right now. I am. <laughs> A little bit of pre-pre-pre-season knocking. Yeah. So that first year with Aptive, you do 400 some? 400 on the dot, yeah. 400 on the dot at a whatever contract value. Uh, 410. So it was like 200K. Not even. It was 160. 160. Just haven't done math in a while. No, yeah, you're good. Like, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, that's a whole different topic, but yeah. now 400 accounts, like, you're making absolute stacks. Right. Right. And back then, like, I made good money, but it wasn't like, whoa. How many people did you have back then? Did you recruit, recruit like five or six yeah, dudes? Yeah, I had, so my very first summer with Aptive, I had 12 reps that came out. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you do 400 counts with 12 reps, four something ACV following year. What was your growth like personally and, and recruits wise? Did you grow your line that year or just yeah. kind of increase your account? No. That? So I, I recruited a lot more. I think I started that summer with like 35 guys. Okay. So I went from like 12 to 35. So tripled that in that regard. Um, personally, I went from 400 to 443. My contract value went up from 410 to 465. Okay. So I definitely did more personal yeah. revenue yeah. accounts, the whole jazz. Um, 
the most memorable thing with that summer though is that it was my first year leading a team by myself and I got clapped. Started the summer with 28 reps and ended with nine. Mm. Probably one of like probably one of the most pivotal moments in my active career just because like I was humbled. Yeah. Like I went into that summer being like, dude, I'm gonna break the record for like best team ever. Like, dude, I'm just I'm him. Like when it comes to leading. Like, oh, dude, I'm just going to crush. Like, I can teach anyone how to sell. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Nah. Like, I was not ready for that. Like, punch you in the mouth a little bit. Oh, man, dude, it was brutal. Like, um, I recruited a bunch of people I shouldn't have because I had that belief that I could teach anyone how to sell. I would love to believe that anyone could do this job, but some people just realistically aren't cut out for it, and that's okay. Right. Um, as a recruiter, though, it's your job to identify the people that are not cut out for it and not bring those ones out, right? As a kindness to them and to you and the rest of the team. And uh, I didn't really follow that. I uh, brought a lot of people out that I shouldn't have. Um, was a very immature leader. I had a tendency to be really explosive, like with my, you know, I would lose my composure with my team, like, fairly frequently um, I would get really bad tunnel vision where I would only focus on my own sales sometimes and just like let the team just basically fall apart. Um, Man, where were some other things? I, I'm still getting better at this. I'm not a particularly good listener, but I was a really, I was a terrible listener back then. So my reps would come to me with problems. I'd just be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just work harder. Just work harder. You know? And um, they didn't practice work. That, yeah. Practice then, that empathy. Yeah, no, I didn't have any of that. And uh, yeah, I had very few of my rookies finish. It was a tough year. Luckily for me, I'm pretty resilient. So I got out of that summer and um, I was like, okay. I remember I actually called my mom after that summer and I said, and I told my wife as well. I was like, hey, like, yeah, that sucked. But like, I know I can figure it out. I know I can be a great team leader. And like, I'm going to keep recruiting teams every year until I figure it out. Took a couple of years, but I eventually got there. Yeah. This year, this is, I mean, this is your, your livelihood, right? You mm-hmm. got a, you got a wife. I know you don't have any kids yet back then, right? Uh, back then, let's see. My wife was pregnant with our first kid during that summer. During that summer. The second summer where I was team leading for the first time. Okay. So this is your livelihood, man. This yeah. Is, this is putting the bread on the table. Kid on the way. Yeah. Team's falling apart. Yeah. Yeah. Stressful. It, yeah, it was stressful. Yeah. But you made that decision with her. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it right. Yeah. It's going to be how we make our living. Luckily for me, the selling part of the job always came pretty naturally. Yeah. So I was still making good money. I was making good money on just selling. Yeah. And, um, you know, the recruiting lagged behind that for a while before I started, like, getting good at the leading part mm. of being a leader in this job. Because recruiting and leading have two distinct skill sets. Um, not all recruiters are great leaders and vice versa. Um, you know, really in this job, you want to be the triple threat where you can – recruit lead and And sell sell. yeah yeah because those are the leaders that well those are the the people that as a general rule have the highest potential make Um, it to regional plus yeah just um you know they have proved through their own ability that they can do the job 
So people are like, hey, if I work with this person, I can learn how to do the job too. That's the importance of selling and leading from the front. Um, and all three of those aspects, I think that's, you know, you have to show that you can recruit. You have to show that you can lead your recruits and you have to, in doing so, show that you can yeah. sell. I think doing my weak point for years was the leading part. Um, I was always really good at recruiting. Like I'm, I'm as a, as a general rule, I'm like pretty good at creating like a vision for the people that I talk to. And, uh, and I, I always believe like a lot in the vision. Like I always know it's possible and, um, you know, I would go out and I would always sell really well, but like, I just would have a hard time retaining my reps during the summer. Um, so it took me a couple of years. Uh, my next summer, 2019, I was in Atlanta and I did a much better job. That was one of my better teams. It was just a smaller team because I really paid a lot more attention to like the quality of the guys I was bringing out. Then I had another growth year, but it was COVID. Uh, 2020 was a little bit of a weird year for a lot of us. Um, 2019 was my first summer, by the way. So I was up in New Jersey when you were in Atlanta. Yep. So how, how many people did you start with in Atlanta? A smaller team, you said? It was a way smaller team. My personal team, we only had 16 of us. Okay. Yeah. Now I had more people in my overall downline because I had another group of about eight reps that was somewhere else. But I started the summer with like 10 less reps. So that that was a little hard. Well, it was more than a little hard. It was That was hard. Um, feeling like I didn't do a good job recruiting that year. But the quality was better. My team sold better. Everyone had a better experience. I had more of those reps choose to come back the following Probably summer. Probably put up way more revenue. Uh, we did more revenue. Yeah, we yeah. did more downline revenue. Um, my reps that were with Josh Goodrich, because he was still adaptive at the time, um, they were in Austin again, Okay, just a different team in Austin, and they did really well. So yeah, it was a good summer. Um, I learned a lot that year. Uh, but yeah, I mean, my journey, it just like wasn't linear at all. Like, I guess that's the moral of the story. I don't know if like we'll end up talking about every single one of my summers, but like the biggest takeaway is just you know, not everyone like takes to every part of this job right away naturally. Like I certainly had a hard time with the leading part and uh, yeah, it took me a couple of years to like really put it all together, but that's part of the journey. Yeah. So I think that's, that's a cool encapsulation of kind of how you got into the industry and in first few years and mm. proving that, you know, it's not sunshine and rainbows, right? This isn't a, for most people, it's not a get rich quick thing. It can be, yeah. but it's, like any other job, you really have to, you have to learn and you have to usually learn by failing like, mm -hmm. like a lot of other stuff. But, um, okay. Fast forward to talk about these last couple of years, maybe how they've gone for you in terms of, you know, how you've come into your own as a leader. I think that's a good one. You started off struggling with that. How have you come into your own as a leader? Um, what's helped yeah. with that and like, what's been your main focus these last couple of years? Yeah, it's interesting because like 20, so 2019 to 2021 are kind of like my, my lost years of Aptive where I, um, I didn't make a ton of progress as far as like growing my downline, um, just kind of stayed like fairly steady for those, those years. Um, but yeah, where, where the story starts to like get interesting again is, um, 2021 summer I was knocking in Phoenix and I got into a really bad spot, like mentally and emotionally. Like I had to start seeing a therapist. I got really depressed. Like it was, it was like, it was a pretty dark time for me um, when I was out there. And, um, you know, I, I don't know, like all the things that went into that. Um, you know, it was certainly a combination of some personal life some things, some professional things. Um, I never really figured out the Phoenix market too. And that was hard on me. 
but just, you know, kind of put it out all together. And, um, it was rough. I got to the end of the summer and I struggled with work ethic for like the only time in my entire career adoptive where like, I, you know, I had those days where I was just like, I do not want to knock like at all. And, um, it was rough. You know, I would have nights where I'd get home and like, I would just binge watch TV to just like, just like, uh, not think about it. Yeah. Just, uh, just numb. Like I just wanted to be numb and not think about it. Classic depression signs. It was, it was bad. So I get to the end of that summer. Um, that was actually the first summer that I had two of my siblings work with me, my sister, Mari, my brother, Jack, um, Jack's an absolute rock star, um, now in the recruiting game, which has been really cool for me to see, uh, but that's topic for later or different, different podcast episode. Um, but, uh, anyway, that was my first, that was their first summer coming out and I got to the end of the summer, dude, and I was ready to be done, like yeah. done, done with door to door. I was like, I, I can't do this again. Like yeah. I just personally, and it's funny cause I look back now and I'm like, I don't know what I would have done instead. Yeah. Um, I would have probably gotten a different sales job, not in door to door most likely, but I guess that's probably what I would have done. But both of my siblings had pretty good experiences and they both wanted to come back. And so I was like, all right, one more summer. But I didn't recruit at all that offseason hardly. Like I told all my team leaders, I said, hey, I'm going to I'm going to like pay you guys more so that I don't have to do anything like I'll see you guys in May next year. Not completely like they're all my team leaders are, are good friends of mine. So um, but I was kind of MIA from work stuff. Didn't recruit a lot. Um and then show up for 2022 summer. And uh, the last couple of years, it's always been my thing of like, you know, this could be my last summer. So I'm just going to try and give it my all. So I was like, I'm going to give it my all. I'm just going to go out there, do the best I can. I can. Uh, but that off season, I spent a lot of time working on me. And I think that is a good principle. And, but it's not just some like hokey, like, yeah, I'm working on me. No, like I, like, I feel like I was very, very intentional about, um, you know, I got to the gym. I lost a lot of weight that off season. Um, started really dialing in on my nutrition really transformed yourself i really did man you're, you're downplaying that but that's a really impressive part in my opinion from knowing you now for a little bit longer the yeah the your transition and transformation i didn't really know you well back then at all but um from what you talk about and from what i've talked about with others the transition in in your body obviously probably in your mind as well mm-hmm. from 2021 to 2022 i know that was really substantial and life changing yeah I mean, we're talking audiobooks. I also, um, I think that was the year I listened to uh, your best year, or I read your best year ever, mm. which I found about, found out about in kind of a roundabout way. I heard one of Donnie's team leaders talking about it, and I was like, "What is this book?" So I looked it up, and I was like, oh, "I'm going to do this too." So I made some really cool goals um, to just work on myself spiritually and emotionally. I got into audiobooks. I reconnected with my faith a lot more, um, worked on my physical, like worked on my mental. I, you know, was seeing a therapist that entire off season, um, you know, was working on deepening my relationship with my wife, like really putting in the work, not just casually like working on myself, but like for real, like putting in the work to just get to a spot that I felt like happier. And, um, I think that's a good principle. I think, you know, in hindsight, I wish I also would have been putting in some work on Aptive too. Um, but uh, yeah, I went into that off seat or to that summer. We had a team with like 20 reps or 18 reps or something. So like just like a medium sized team. And we crushed it. Won the cup, had the top RPR team in the company. It was the first year that we had an RPR stat. So we had the best RPR, won the whole cup. I had my best ever summer. I went from being like a 50, like around number 50 in the company every year to being number four that year. 
So like had a huge jump. My ACV jumped up a lot. I was kind of the, uh, I was kind of the pioneer of like the high contracts and the more intense package or the more frequent packages that Aptive has. I was like one of the first people to really embrace that. My team leaned into that. That helped us. Um, we took, obviously we took the cup seriously and we just had an awesome summer. Earned a ton of trips, tons of swag. Like winning the cup's no joke. Winning the cup was the is probably my favorite sales accomplishment of my whole career. Like more than my golden door. Like I think winning the cup is just like it's such a hard thing to accomplish because it's not just you. Like you can't get there with just you. You yeah. have to have your whole team dialed. Talking in. about talking about growing as a leader. That's, that's yeah, a, going from my first year leading yeah. to that. That's a huge leadership accomplishment. Something I've only ever made it to the elite eight. And that still felt crazy, like fun and like, yeah, really I remember when we were in the Elite Eight. Uh, I don't think we were against your team that year. Maybe. I don't know. I remember when we were in the Elite Eight and I actually thought we were going to lose because um, me and my right hand man. So we were the top two sellers on the team. We were both out of town. I was out of town for the divisional retreat here in mm. Utah or I guess we're not here in Utah right now in Utah. And my um, it's 2022, right? Yes, it's 2022. So it was the first year we did the divisional retreat and they decided to do it in the middle of the selling season. (laughs) They didn't do that this last year, but they did it that year. And um, my right-hand man, he was gone too on a family vacation. And one of my other reps just absolutely stepped up. And I think he did like 30K over three days. Wow. Just like slinging deals. And my team won that match somehow. And so then we, you know, got the big dogs back for the final four, me and Cedric. And uh, yeah, we somehow won, beat Fayetteville, uh, had Brigham Lindsay on that team. And that was, um, I mean, it was crazy. Very cool accomplishment. Super cool. But yeah, talk about a 180. I still remember, like, I got to the end of that summer and I was like, man, dude, I remember my first year leading. So like just a crazy, just a crazy uh, turnaround. And um, yeah, that kind of reinvigorated my, like, love for the job. I remember I got to the end of that summer and like, yeah, it was really cool to win all that stuff. But I just remember I got to the end of the summer and I just thought to myself, like, I actually had fun this summer. Like I enjoyed myself. It was hard for sure. I mean, we were grinding the hours during the cup, especially, but it was fun. Like I enjoyed it. I, um, you know, I, I found my love for the job again. I found my love for leading and, and, um, you know, I saw the change I made in my reps lives and I was like, okay, like I'm in it again. Like, let's go. And, um, that was my first year in like three years that I had gone really hard on recruiting. And um, then this last year, like we started blowing up on, in that regard too. Yeah. That's awesome. So 2022 is a pivotal shift. Mm-hmm. That's the tipping point. That's yeah. It went from the lowest of low in 2021, almost out of the industry to like, almost as high as the highs you can get best team in the company yeah one so of the cool. best reps in the company it was cool so you finished top four personal mm-hmm. besides what your team does which was how much in rev um our team did i think 2.1 million that okay. year our team itself but and we personal? had a small team what personal personal i did 380 380k yep huge um something that most people will never be able to say that they've done so yeah that's huge um so what was what was the mindset? When did you I guess when did you decide that I'm doing six fifty K? When am I doing this golden door yeah. thing? Yeah, by the way, Golden Door, if you if you're not in the industry, there's certain sales marks in each 
in each industry within door to door that mm-hmm. you can hit what's called the golden door. There's an award ceremony out in Utah that Sam Taggart started and you get, you know, an actual trophy, an actual golden door, um, for hitting certain marks and, and pest control and alarms and solar. So in pest control, it's 650 K and service revenue for the company or a thousand accounts. So when did you decide after your great cup year, after your really good personal year, top five in the company, when did you decide I'm stepping this up and I'm doing a golden door this year? Well, dude, at one point I didn't even know if I was going to knock in 2023. Okay. Like, cause I thought I was just going to be, um, I thought I was going to have multiple teams and just kind of sit back and do more of the, um, administrative stuff and take advantage of my well-earned summer, uh, to hang out with my family. No, I remember though, it was the uh, million dollar retreat, which in my opinion is probably one of the coolest things that Aptive has ever decided to start doing. I agree. Um, and that was the first year they did that. I think it was October 2022. Sounds right. September. Right after the, the welcome home. Yeah, I think it was October. And um, we're out there in Vegas and uh, you were there. Yep. So you remember like we were all sitting in that room um, and people like they invite some people to come up and give their goal or whatever. And um you know, just like there was so much dialogue that year with the grit and like how many golden doors they'd done and Aptive had formed this new like golden goats group um, or was maybe it wasn't officially formed yet. I don't think it was. I just remember like being so, you know, everyone was talking this big talk about like we're going to catch up to the grit or whatever, but nobody was talking about the golden doors, which is like one of the big things that like the grit kind of had the corner of the market on back then i mean they still done really well they still kind of do and um you know we're we're trying to make up some ground on that Uh, back then i mean they just clapped up the competition it was like crazy aptive had zero golden door winners in 2022 and they had 14 so it wasn't close um i was like you know what like we're talking all this talk dude but like somebody has to go out there and get some golden doors because otherwise we're never going to catch up and i was like you know what one of those people is going to be me yeah and uh, i don't remember like I said, the Golden Goats group, which last year was 500K to be a Golden Goat, which in, within Aptive is kind of like the elite sales reps at Aptive. I was like, why are we even doing 500K? Like, that's not, no one cares about 500K in the industry. It's 650K or you're a scrub. Just kidding. You're not a scrub. But it's 650K, like, if for that Golden Door award. And like, whether you like it or not, that's what the industry standard is at right now right. for like true excellence. It's 650. So, anyway, I just like, was like, you know what? I'm going to, freaking do a golden door man like i don't care like i'm gonna i'm just gonna do it i have no idea how i'm gonna do it it's double what because to put in perspective in 2021 um i'd done 250k which was my best summer then i went to 380 which already felt like a crazy jump and then i was trying to go to 650 it's like almost double huge jump from my previous best summer and remember this isn't like some some guy going from their first summer to their second summer their second summer or third summer where you can expect like those natural improvements you've been doing this yeah we're talking i was going from summer eight to summer nine like that'd be like there's very few comparisons even if you look at professional sports it's hard to find comparisons that even match up with that like a guy that was like really good all of a sudden becoming like one of the very best from year eight to year nine, it just doesn't happen very often because most people have pretty much reached their ceiling of what they're going to be able to do. And a good uh, point. There are, there are a few comparisons in sports. I'm trying to think like Matt, it, maybe Matthew Stafford. 
maybe, but he, yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> he was really good, and then he you know, goes to the. But his stats were basically identical. He just yeah. got over the hump with the Super Bowl. Right. And you can make an argument that was partially from the coach and having Aaron Donald and some other things. Um, I tr- I've tried to find really good comparisons, and it's hard to find some. And um, anyway, so it felt like a crazy goal. I was like, whatever, I'm gonna do it. So yeah, I got up there in front of the whole group and said, I'm gonna do a golden door, and then everybody was like, let's go. I was like, now you can't turn back. Yeah, I was like, all right, uh, I'm doing it. I'm going to do it. And um, yeah, I just made a game plan and just stuck to it. And at one point, it it did it wasn't looking good. Like middle of May, I was way behind pace. I was at like 100K. I mean, way, way behind pace. I would have had to knock into uh, At that pace, I could have knocked all the way through December 31st and not hit my golden door on that pace i'm i'm curious though just to walk through this kind of pragmatically i want to hear what your thought process was so going from being a really 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 good rep in the industry 380k to i'm going to decide to do 650k this year you have reps too it's not like you're just some lone wolf out there you have responsibilities you have things you're doing you have meetings you're running in the off season so this isn't just the brent show right yeah this is what you have to figure out how to be a leader still and go out there and almost double your revenue. That yeah, was I had 50 reps that went out that summer. It's a lot. In 2023. In 2023, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what what did you decide? You said, I'm going to do a golden door. What What's the difference? So what do you internally decide with you? Maybe it's you with your wife or you with yeah. your schedule. Like, What are you deciding that's different this year? How are you going to get there? What was that? Well, method? I was really, um, I'm pretty, uh, in some ways, I'm like pretty analytical and stuff. And um I was very intentional about like how I went about deciding I was going to get there. I was like, okay, with the new packages, because I found out we were going to have those premium packages that have, um, you know, more services per year. And I was really excited about that. And I was like, you know what? I bet I can average a 1300 ACV. And I've already previously done 500 accounts in the summer. In 2020, I'd done 500 accounts. So it'd been a couple of years, but I'd done it before. And I was like, I'd done that before. I know I can do it again. And I bet I can do a 1300 ACV, even though at the time, like my previous summer, I'd done 900, but I'd really started to like pick up my flow. Like I'd averaged over a thousand in my last like six weeks of 2022. And that was with no premiums. And based on where I knew the floors were, the fact I was going to be going to Long Island, I was like, you know what, dude, I, I think I can do it. So, uh, you know, there, there was a lot that went in between that moment and August 24th when I hit it. But on August 24th, I serviced my 498th account at a 1308 ACV. It's huge. So I hit exactly pretty much what I knew that, like, I made my plan. Like, I was like, I'm going to do a 1300. I'm going to do 500 accounts. I know I can do both of those things. So that's going to be how I got there. And along the way, did you, I mean, previous summers, obviously, you had worked really hard. What you know, I think you've talked about this, but like, what were some of the work ethic commitments that you made along the way too? What were the yeah. the actual rubber meets the road work ethic, you know, things that you committed yeah, to? Yeah, we, to get we talked about this for my upcoming goal, which is to go do a million. Right. And um, there are certain things that I was willing to do. Um, not that I necessarily was like wanting to do, but I was willing to do them. And I knew that uh, if I went out, and did those things I, I would be able to get to my goal if I was behind. And so a few of those things were um, being like not having a car partner so that for me, and I, I don't recommend that for most sales reps. I think having a car partner is great for like literally like 95% plus of sales reps. But for me, I knew that I would feel less pressure to go to lunch 
if I didn't have my car, if I didn't have a car partner, I would feel less pressure to, well, I'd probably get out to area earlier every day because like me, like when I'm done with the morning meeting, like I'm ready to roll. Like I pack all my stuff. I always wake up early enough that all my stuff's ready to go for like the second the morning meeting ends. I can just grab my bag and boom out the door. But most reps don't do that. Unfortunately, you know, they probably should, but they don't. And so I was like, I can get out earlier. I don't feel pressure to take a lunch. Um, and I, at the end of the day, I don't feel any pressure to get home at any kind of certain time either. Like I don't have to worry about hitting a ton of passbacks and being on an absolute, just like baller streak at nine 30 at night and having to worry about my car partner being like, Hey, like what time are you going to come pick me up? Which I don't even think is unreasonable. Like, yeah, at, at nine 30, I think most car partners probably deserve to at least know when they're getting picked up, but even just that distraction, I didn't want to deal with it. So I was like, okay, I'm willing to, even though it's not my preferred way, I was willing to not have a car partner. I was willing to skip lunch and just do lunch in my car every day. Um, I had like three, I had three, three of the white segues, like the nice ones last year. So three segues, multiple portable chargers, like every day I was like dialed in, ready to go all my stuff so that I didn't have to stop. I even had a, you know, not everyone wants to hear about this, but I even had a pee bottle in my car that like, then I didn't even have to run to a gas station in the middle of the day. Like I was dialed in. And, um, so I was, if you're an elite sales rep at all, you've, you've, you've had a pee bottle before. Did the pee, honestly, facts. Game changer. <laughs> Actually, game changer for real. Um, I saved, I have a bad habit of maybe drinking too many energy drinks during the summer. And if like, I mean, those things will run through you so fast. So like, yeah, the pee bottle was a game changer. But anyway, we don't need to keep talking about that. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, yeah, I was willing to knock late. I was willing to skip lunch. I was willing to go out on my own every day. Um, I was willing to knock full Saturdays. Like I made a decision about halfway through May. I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna knock full Saturdays the rest of the summer, 12 hours every Saturday. And by full Saturdays, I mean like, full Saturdays well, probably longer longer than longer days. like lo- longer yeah I mean I would go um nine my nine, standard right? was probably nine to eight thirty on okay. Saturdays yeah like, so like but no lunch we're talking 11 11 and a half hours of knocking I mean I would go balls to the wall man on Saturdays like going hard I bet I average this summer 12k a day on Saturdays like which is pretty good yeah if you're really good <laughs> rep and average 6k I mean how many weeks did you knock uh, like 20 ish. Okay. So it's 120 K more than the guy who averages six. Right. So, yeah. and six is still good. Six K. Yeah. Still a great day Yeah, for, for, for most reps, but like that right there, I think that's so cool to hear. Like in door to door, those incremental things, the working for another hour every day, the, yeah. the getting the sale past eight thirty on a consistent basis, the, five six k more that you might average on saturdays by being a maniac and knocking for 12 hours Mm -hmm. in a row right like that's the difference without that without the saturday you wouldn't even be close to your goal no yeah i literally wouldn't have like that was huge for me and i didn't knock full i ended up not knocking full saturdays all summer but i was willing to do it and i think that's the difference is that i was willing to and i was like yeah like i'm gonna do it until i don't need to do it anymore and i don't mind doing it and so that was the thing too, is like, you know, I think, um, I, I was willing to do all those things. And at the time when I was like really behind on my goal, I did those things. Like I, I went out on my own every day. I didn't do lunch. Um, I had my own service pro, like I was really, really dialed in. Um, and I got ahead of track for my goal. And, um, you know, my main goal was last year to do that 650 K at least this is a whole different discussion, but, um, in my mind, I had tied a golden door to like 
what my real goal was, which was to push myself, bring glory to Aptive and like, and um, see what I was capable of. Kind of lost sight of that a little bit and started fixating on specifically just the golden door number. Um, but anyway, once I was ahead of, ta- ahead of track, like I, I do prefer to have a car partner. So I went back to having a car partner. Um, I would probably knock full Saturdays like every other Saturday, like once I got ahead. But um, I guess the, the reference, like I said, is I was willing to do that if I needed to. And so going into this upcoming summer, it's kind of that same mentality of like, I know a lot of things that I'm willing to do if I need to. It's all those exact same things. Um, except for this year to do a million. I mean, if I have to, I'll go nine to nine every day, six days a week, not Sundays, but I'll go six days a week, nine to nine, 72 hours, like bring it. So I don't think I'll need to do that, but I'm willing to do it if I have to. And, um, you know, that's the difference because, you know, I think a lot of reps, they go out there and they're like, yeah, this is what I'm willing to put in. And then like, hopefully that gets me to my goal. You're like, yeah, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to go the extra mile. So hopefully I just do well enough while I'm doing the normal thing to it's get almost to my like, goal. Like we talked about yesterday, it's almost like, I think high performers do things to relieve the stress and pressure of performance. So you almost go like above and beyond mentally mm-hmm. to, to not feel like I'm cramped on time. Like this isn't possible. I'm anxious about my yeah. goal. You're saying like, nah, dude, I know if I went nine to nine, six days a week for five, six months, like I know I can hit a million. Yeah. So it's like, absolutely. I might not have to do that, but you know, my standard is there. I, I'll go to war for it. I'll do whatever. Well, yeah. And so I'm way less stressed about that goal. Right. You know, than a rep who like, I'm going to do what I always do. And I'm just going to hope I get better. Like right. that is stressful. Banking Cause on, it's, cause it's just not true. Probably. Yeah. Banking so. on doing the exact same thing you always do. And just like being better at selling, you know, that's where that could more feasibly happen going from year one to year two or year two to year three. You're not getting that if you've been doing this for a couple of years though, like you're not just going to get better at selling magically um, without doing things different. Right. You know, and maybe that can even be like extra training. Um, you know, there, there are ways to get better at selling. Certainly I'm not saying people can't get better at selling. You definitely can and you should um, be intentional about that, but um, you got to do something different to get a different result. So, and that's where I think I, you see a lot of reps that they're like, ah, oh, yeah, no, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do better. Dude, what does that even mean? Like, what do you mean? yeah, there's no metric on that. Like what, what are you tying that to? Like, what are you, what are you going to do better to get a better result? If you're just going to do it all the same, like you're not going to do better. You're going to do the same, but you're going to feel worse, <laughs> you know, like. Cause you should do better. Well, yeah, because you wanted to do better, but then like, you're going to start having that inner conflict of like not really you know saying one thing but not truly wanting it bad enough Uh, that's where you run into people that get unhappy like with this job is they you know they say they want one thing but then their actions don't really back that up and it starts to cause this friction within them and those are the reps that are the least happy yeah facts speaking facts seen it um Real quick, I do want to talk about your goal this year a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but before that, there's a lot of guys that step out to do this, whether it's a guy who's never done this before, a guy or girl who's never sold door-to-door before, and they're like, you know, what makes people different? You know, how, what makes the bad rep bad and the good rep good? Experienced reps who have done this before, who have set big goals, maybe fallen a little bit short, or just done, you know, the 150, the 200, and they want to level up. Like, everybody can talk that big game when the rubber hits the road 
Yeah. It's, it's not easy to maintain a level of focus for 10 hours on the doors every day for six days a week for, for 20 weeks. Right. Yeah. Other, other than energy drinks. Right. Um, what, what makes you different, right? Like what, what, you know, everybody drinks energy drinks by the way, it's just a stab. Yeah. Uh, what, what makes Brent different? Like when you're out there, I know we kind of talked about this a little bit last night, but when you're out there, what keeps you on that straight path that maybe you're a little bit, you know, more dialed than others? Like, why do you think that you're one of those elite reps that can stay focused the whole time? Oh man, dude, I, this is like the, the secret sauce question that any really high performing rep gets asked a lot. I don't know, like all the things that make me different. Um, I am really competitive. That is one thing that like that keeps me focused. Um, the more competitions I can create for myself, the more incentives I can create for myself that I actually care about that pushes me like last year, this is going to sound silly. Um, actually I don't even care. I'm a Swifty, right? Like I like Taylor Swift and last year, um, Taylor Swift, the junior heirs tour concert tickets were mad expensive to go to that. Unless you were like one of the people that got them at the OG prices, like three fifty. But, um, anyway, I set a goal that was like just gnarly, like um, when I was kind of lagging behind. Uh, it was like around the middle of May. And I was like, dude, like if I can do, I don't even remember what the metric was, but it, it felt bonkers. And it wasn't even that crazy. I think I was like needing to average like 35K a week or something for like three weeks to hit it. And I blew that goal out of the water. And we went and saw Taylor Swift. I dropped like 12 grand on tickets for me and my wife to go. Um, and it was dope. And, uh, so like, so I'll set incentives that I actually care about. Cause that's the difference. Like, you know, reps, like I'm going to get myself a milkshake. Do you care enough about a milkshake to go sell for? If you do great. Like that's certainly a cheaper incentive than Taylor Swift tickets. Um, but like, you got to set one that you got to actually know yourself well enough to know like what's actually going to get you going. Um, towards the end of the, of the summer, I, once I knew I was on pace to hit my goal, I actually started to struggle a little bit with my DM count. Um, it's a little embarrassing to say, but like, once I knew my goal was like so well within reach, like I had a hard time, like getting out there and working hard. Um, and so I set a goal. I was like, cool. Any day that I do 60 DMS doesn't even matter how many sales I get. I'm going to buy myself a new 200 pair of sneak, $200 pair of sneakers. Every single day I do 60 DMS because I knew that if I went out and did 60 DMS, I was going to sell at least 5k. Well, and on 5k I'm making way more than enough money to get my pair of shoes. So I was like, I'm going to do that every day. Now, I ended up actually not doing that the whole rest of the time because even just getting back in that mindset, I started doing 60 DMs a day pretty regularly. I think I bought myself three pairs in a row. And then I was like, yeah, I think I can just do 60 DMs every day. Um, but yeah, that was my goal is I like I just switched it up a little bit. So, you know, know what know what incentivizes you. Um, I loved being near the top of the leaderboard. My goal was never to be – I never like put too much pressure on myself of like my goal is to be the top rep today. But I would be like – my goal is to go out there, work as hard as I can. And I'm pretty sure if I do that, I can be a top 10 rep pretty much every day. So I, I was always striving to be in the top 10 every day. And um, it was funny, like for most of the summer, I think every single month, except for August, uh, by even by the end of May, I think I ended up in the top 20. And my first half of May was brutal. Um, June, I think I was top three. July, I think I was top three. Half of like through the first half of August, I think I was top three or top five, like adaptive. Um, because every day I was pushing for top 10 mm. and most reps can't be that consistent. You know, they'll get top 10 every once in a while, but I was getting top 10, you know, multiple days a week, mm. but I was never the top guy. In fact, I don't think, 
I think I had one day last summer that I was the top rep in the whole company. One day. I think only once. I had a day I sold 20K, which was pretty cool. Um, That's a lot. Yeah, it was. It was <laughs> that was a crazy sales day. Um, uh, so anyway, that's one of the things that I, I think I do different. Um, and I actually do like, I pride myself a lot on my DM count and like working hard yeah. and not fake DMs. Like uh, I want to throw that out there. Anyone can fluff up their DM count. Like I, I try to be very intentional about like logging real true accurate DMs and going out there and earning every DM that I log on my iPad. Um, so I, because I just, I just know that if I go out there and I work my hardest, like I'm going to get sales, uh, because I put in the work on training and other things too. Like I've earned the right to believe that. I think, you know, if you haven't done any training, yeah, just working hard, that that might not get you there. If you haven't done your, if you haven't done the work beforehand to be able to earn that outcome through hard work. But I've already put in the work. Like I've earned the stripes. Like when I know that when I go out there and I work and I hit my 60 DMs, I'm going to get the sales I want pretty much every time. So I work on that and um. But I think a lot about legacy if we're getting to like bigger picture stuff. I think a lot about legacy. Um, I think about what my kids like are going to remember. Um, because one thing that, and you know, everyone's got different points of view about this, but I certainly, my kids will probably remember that I worked a lot during a few years of their life. Like I, I work really hard right now, but I want it to matter. You know, and that's the and that's the difference. I was um talking to my wife the other day, even I'm getting a little emotional about this. But uh, you know, because I, I actually had one of my one of my sisters recently, she asked me, she's like, she's like, you know, like your kids aren't gonna be happier just because you made more money. I was like, I'm not just doing this for my kids. I'm doing it for the impact I can have on the world. Like it's uh yeah. And there's probably going to be people that listen to this podcast like, oh, yeah, really? You're going to make a difference? Dude, yeah, I think I will. Like, um, I pretty much always accomplish everything I set my mind to. And if I want to go out there and change the world, I certainly think that I can. I believe I can be one of the very best people that's ever done this job. I'm not there yet, but I think I can get there. And um, that can make a difference. Like, I think I can impact hundreds, thousands and through those thousands, tens and hundreds of thousands of people's lives, like I'm getting into content creation now, but you got to earn the right to be able to do content. Like people just, I'm just going to go create content. But yeah. No one cares. Like you're not, what value are you bringing? What like, did you do? Yeah. What did you do to even earn the right to go put out some content? Now I do think sometimes people wait a little too long to start doing content. You got to take the plunge eventually. Um, and um, I think sometimes people underestimate their value that they can bring to the space. Um, but yeah, like when I go out there, like I'm going to go do a mill. I'm not just doing it for me, right? I'm doing it so that when I go out there and I put out content that somebody sees it and it changes their life, you know, and that's what, like, I'm not just doing it for me. I'm not just doing it for my family. I'm doing it for legacy, for impact, for, you know, I was at door to door con the other day and I was listening to, um, gosh, dude, I wish I could remember his name so I could shout him out in this podcast, but he's, um, part of Sam Taggart's, um, crew over there. Uh, he's in the solar space and you know, it's, it was that cliche thing of like, you know, what are people going to say about you at your funeral? But he presented it in a way that just made me think about it a little deeper. And I was like, yeah, like what are people going to say? Like, you know, the stuff that you do in your work life can also matter. Like, you know, you look at, now this is a different level, but you look at a guy like Steve jobs that when he passed, like his product made a difference in the world. You know, whether you're a big Apple guy or not, like there's no doubt that like he changed the world in a big way. 
I don't know that I'm ever going to arrive at that point. I probably not. And I'm okay with that. Um, but it just goes to show that like through what you do also in your work life, you can make a tangible difference. It's not these days. I think people get so caught up. There's so much of like this, like, um, personal and empowerment, um, culture of like, no, like just do the things that make you happy. No, do the things that matter. Like make a difference, like make, like bring, bring value to the world. And, um, you know, if you're doing that, like you're going to be happy anyway, like, cause you're going to be making an impact. So anyway, that's like my soapbox right there. That wasn't even the question, but I think about that, right? Like no, when it, I go out there and work, like I'm not just doing the million for me, like I'm doing the million for the dogs, bro. Like for my reps that end up watching this podcast, like I want them to watch their leader go out there and like put it on the line every day and do the hard thing. That's, that's hard. Like, and, uh, go out there and push themselves and struggle and like, and, um, you know, conquer a goal. So they feel inspired to go do the same thing. Anyway, end of my soapbox. No, I think that's, what's so cool about this industry is like, I feel like the only other industry where it gets as like deep and as like connected to other people and can change other people's lives. Honestly, it's like sports, Mm -hmm. maybe the military. Yeah. Like, but I think that's what's so cool about our job is that by yeah. you going and just just putting it all out on the line, you can inspire however many people and more, but however many people that you have in, in your organization and your downline, they're all going to be looking at Brent's numbers every day. And if they're having a bad day, they're going to see you putting up 10K and they're going to be like, shit, like I got to go work because Brent's putting in the work. Like the sales are out there, right? Yeah. And you never know, like how you know you've been in low states on the doors right i've been in low states on the doors you talked about it what does seeing your leader put up 15k on a saturday do for your mental state and and maybe that rep goes out there and puts up 5k and has a great day maybe that changes the trajectory of their whole summer just because they saw you putting in the work and then maybe they build a a career adaptive and it changes their lives and their family's life like that's that's so cool that you know we as leaders can have that kind of impact on on people young people especially at least that's the hope right like that's why we do what we do you know that's why we put in the long hours that's why we do things like read books like we're doing it to become better and ideally to become better for the people that we interact with every day you know some deep thoughts yeah hey that's the goal deep thoughts on the podcast let's go yeah hey this is this is no canned five pre-written question type type vibe that's yeah that's what i don't like um but i guess kind of i guess moving into wrapping it up soon but like um i wanted to hear so your goal for those that don't know in the industry and and aren't in in pest control door-to-door um your goal is a million this year right a million dollars of personal service pest control revenue so you're putting up a milli in revenue for aptive um you're gonna do whatever it takes Yes, sir. It's already it's already written. Yep, it's decided, and you're starting to sell right now mm-hmm. in February. Yep. And is your goal to to? You said to hit a certain amount before what date? Yeah. So I have 16 knocking days left um, before I start what is going to be my regular season. So I'm starting my regular season on March 25th. That's when I'm going six days a week from then until I hit my goal. Um, 
And uh, yeah, so I have 16 knocking days between now and then. I, I came out here to North Carolina for a couple days. I'm going to um, Los Angeles for a recruiter trip I'm doing for my guys, uh, going to Utah for the kickoff and um, seeing my family a little bit in between as well because they are not with me in Texas right now. And so, yeah, I think I have 16 knocking days. Um, my goal is to do 125K. Um, I'd, be, I'd be lying if I was like, as confident on that as I am on getting a mill, which is funny, like 125K is so much smaller than a mill. Um, I'm not generally uh, a quick starter. Uh, I usually kind of have like a little bit of like a slow build um, getting into the summer. Um, and, you know, there's there, there are some challenges about knocking during this time of the year. But uh, yeah, that's the goal, 125K between now and March 25th. And you're on your way to uh to a milli so yep um it's gonna be a game changer of a year right yep um for for you for the company too because i know it's gonna be a a giant year for for aptive and um anybody who's who's knocking we do we do appreciate that and do appreciate you putting it on the line because we're gonna all be out there seeing it every single day and i know myself you know now that we're a little bit tighter. I'm going to be seeing your name every day and being like, dude, I'm going to, I'm going to keep up with Brent today, dude. Let's like, go. That's Bring what we got to do. I welcome it. Um, last thing I want to ask is I always like to ask is someone with the experience that you have in the industry. I know a lot of people listen to this in the industry. Maybe they're experienced reps, maybe they're rookies. I know I like guys who aren't quite in the industry yet to listen to these podcasts so they can kind of get a taste of some of the personalities and some of the drives and things that motivate us and see if it could be a good fit for them. Yeah. Um, what are, what are some classic, I guess, words of wisdom you have for people that are looking to get in the industry or maybe they're committed on their first year. Maybe they're kind of on the fence. Like what is some advice for guys that are looking into sales on, on whether this could be a good fit and how it could change your life? Yeah. I, um, I thought a lot about this over the last week as I've been working on, um, recruiting a a couple specific individuals that are kind of on the fence. So in that same boat. And I think probably my biggest thing is sometimes people turn this into a bigger of a decision than it really is. We're talking three months, four months of your life. The potential upside is astronomically high. Like you could love it and be awesome at it. And at the bare minimum, gain a ton of valuable skills and experience. And, um, yeah, the upside is just huge. And, you know, okay, the downside is you go out and you take a risk and you're not as good at it as, it, as you hoped you that you were. Okay, you'll bounce back. It's three months of your life. It's not a big deal. But, like, it's, you know, it's it's worth taking a swing. Like, the upside is just so big and the downside is so small. You might as well go for it and see what you're made of. You know, and, like, do you want to be that guy that looks back and thinks, like, dude, like, what if, what if I could have been good at sales? Like, what if Aptive could have been a cool career path for me? Like, what if I could have been like Robbie and, you know, like Ryan and Damon and like some of these dogs like that have some really cool things in their life and really cool flexibility and have made a big impact because they took a chance. And um, yeah, don't live your life with regrets. I would say like, definitely don't, don't do something that's safe. Like if your alternative is like working at Wendy's or like something like that. And the biggest reason you don't want to do sales is because it seems uncertain. Like, dude, you're living your life in fear. Like, don't do that. Um, You know, there are occasional situations maybe where it doesn't make sense for somebody to do this, but 
I'd say for most guys that are between the ages of 17, 18, and 25, yeah, at least do it once. Like, see what you're made of. Learn, learn about yourself in a way that you maybe you've never had. What can I hurt? Yeah, like three months. So what? Maybe you're bad at it. Okay, whatever. You're, you're, you're 22. What are your monthly bills like? A thousand bucks, maybe. Yeah. Move on. Move on to the next thing. Uh, yeah, unless you got a wife and a mortgage and kids. And massive monthly bills where that that becomes a little bit more of a risky proposition. Like, dude, just go for it. Send it. In that case, just don't suck and sell well. Yeah, just don't just don't suck. <laughs> Come on, dude. Just don't suck, right? Right. Well, dude, wanna say thank you for joining. Again, I know all the all the active dogs are gonna be looking at the leaderboards this year and, and chasing you. So thank you for being our pace pusher this year ahead of time. Um I know this has reached a lot of a lot of years of people that have never sold, people that are in the industry, and I know it's probably been inspiring to all. So, thank you for, for coming out and, and doing the pod. I appreciate you sharing yeah. some of those with folks. Thanks for having me out here. It was fun. Yeah, bro.